Okay, so today we we draw it to a close what we've been studying, the eschatology of the church, the doctrine of last things in the age of the church. And we get specific here. To this point, we have looked at generalities and some specifics. We've looked at principles and we've looked at points. Uh, so we have an idea if we want to be if we want to walk circumspectly as Christians, we want to be attentive to the times, to the seasons, and we have an idea now. We, have, we know what the Bible says uh, to look for, and all that comes to a conclusion here today. The teachings of demons and last day difficulties for the church. We're going to be, first of all, in 1 Timothy 4. And we'll begin in verse 1. <clears throat> but the Spirit explicitly states, that's a, that's a very strong statement. And what it says to you and me is that this is a pointed thing and there can be no mistaking what the Spirit says about the latter times or the last times. But the Spirit explicitly states that in last times some will depart from the faith. Uh, that word depart is right there. Apostasontai. You hear the word apostasy in that, right? There's that word again, apostasy. apostasy to stand away from, to stand off from. Notice that they stand off from the faith. Okay, so what are we, what are we to look for here? What are, what are we to think about? We're to think about those who somehow on the surface are connected to the faith, but not really. It's easy for them to stand off from it. They can be, they can be influenced to the point that they say, well, you know, I, I grew up that way or or I was christened or whatever, but, but, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't want anything to do that. In latter times, those who have been identified or whose culture had been identified or whose families had been identified within Christendom will stand off from the faith. Now, that's Christianity. That's not just faith. In, that's, that's Christianity, the faith. The Spirit explicitly states. So... What are, what are the Christians to look for uh, concerning the progression of time? They are, to, they are to consider a time when people within what formerly was Christendom are standing away from the faith. You know, there was a time when Christianity was very strong in Europe, right? I, from what I read, I haven't been to Europe in a long time. But even when I was there, I was, last time I was there, I was 21 years old. Um, and even then, people were very worldly. Um, they were not, you know, they, they didn't have any biblical sensitivity or spiritual sensitivity even then. And now, it's even worse. Uh, so the root of the Christian faith is, is being just it's disappearing from from Europe 
it's not only there, but from what I read, the same thing is happening in Australia. And that wave of apostasy is invading the United States of America. Interestingly, from what I read, the church is somewhat being strengthened in Asia, even at the cost of their lives and, and, and livelihood and families. But where Christianity had been so strong, you know there was a time when the Apostle Paul went to sleep and he was going to get up the next morning with his traveling companions and he was going to go to Asia. And he had this vision in the night, this dream, a man from Macedonia was calling out to him, come over and help us. And the Spirit of God changed his direction from going east to going west. And he went into Europe. Uh, and, of course, the rest is history with regard to the churches he planted and, and so forth. Um, so by design, Christianity has been very strong in the Western world, Western society, for, you know, hundreds of years. But that's, that's, it's practically disappeared completely in Europe. The grand churches over there now, if they haven't been burned down, um, are just museums, you know. They're just structures of, of uh, a reflection of the past. And if you think around today, there are a lot of churches in, in, uh, in, uh, in the United States that are just closing down. You know, even, even, even in our general area in North Alabama, churches that thrived for 100 years or more have just closed their doors. Um, and are not churches anymore. So this this is this is something that uh, that Christians are to pay attention to. The Spirit explicitly states that in last times some will depart from the faith; they will stand off from it. Well, what takes its place? Here it is: giving heed to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons speakers of lies in hypocrisy, having been desensitized in their own personal conscience. So what are these people favoring who stand off from the Christian faith? They are favoring evil spirits via the teachings or the doctrines of demons. Now we've already covered some of this. A false teacher is a teacher indoctrinated by demons. Even if he stands in a pulpit of a Christian church and preaches contrary to the Holy Writ, the Holy Bible, that's, that's a teaching of demons. So he's, he's, he's influenced by demons. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. In other words, he pretends to be something that he isn't really. And it shows because he speaks lies. He's teaching something other than the truth. And he's been desensitized to what the real faith is. He's been calloused. Uh, he's been cauterized uh, in his own conscience so that it's numb, it's, it's dull, it, it has no feeling to the truth. So we see 
in the, if you just want to consider, let's just consider the Western culture, which for so many centuries was spiritually based on Christianity. And today is turning away from that and is replacing it with evil teachings, social teachings that are anti-Christ, that are anti-biblical, um, behavioral teachings that are anti-Christ, that are anti-biblical, uh, religious teachings that are anti-Christ, anti-biblical. There are, there are pastors who teach. There are seminaries who teach that evolution is viable, that, uh, that sexual behavior is debatable, that Christ really wasn't who he said he was and really didn't do what he said he did, what the Bible said he did. I know that our own Southern Baptist Convention went through that fight back in the 80s, I guess, started in the late 70s, and fought against these very liberal professors. I sat, I sat when I was considering where to go to seminary, I sat in, and I'll just say it, I don't care who hears it because it's the truth. I sat in on a lecture by a very popular uh, professor, he was, he wrote parts of the Broadman Commentary way back. And I listened to him explain away the parting of the Red Sea. Now, he was in a seminary teaching young men who were going to go out into the pastorate that it wasn't really like you always thought it was, you know, like, like he was there, right? It wasn't like what you think it was. It was, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal, you know. It had to do with weather patterns, and it was just knee high and and uh, and all. It uh, it th that to me, that's a teaching of demons. That's questioning the word of God. It doesn't question. It denies the word of God. This is a thing that uh, in our Southern Baptist Convention, and it's been noted that no other major denomination had ever come against liberalism and turned it around. We're the only ones who ever did. Uh, and, and that's not to say that it won't creep in again. It's always there, you know. It's like a gnat in your ear. Uh, it's just, it's hard to get it out sometimes. But in our culture, we don't, you know, well, just in my lifetime, we used, to, we used to pray in school and had a Bible reading over the loudspeaker every morning. And our... Our chaplain, it was a student, the student chaplain read the Bible, prayed in Jesus' name. Uh, that, that just wasn't that unusual, you know. In the fifth grade, part of what I had to get a, a grade on was to uh, memorize portions of the Bible and stand up and speak it. Uh, the Ten Commandments, 23rd Psalm, whatever, that was part of your curriculum to show that you could read and, and you, you could understand three-syllable words, you know. Um, and now we've we just and we've 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 people have become desensitized, like he says here. They've been cauterized in their conscience, 
And now these people who are in positions of leadership where they are supposed to be Christian leaders are, are more shocked at people like me who believe the Bible as a pastor. They're more shocked that I would take a stance like that than some of their peers in the ministry who just dismiss the Bible. Uh, so that's, that's apostasy. That's standing, apart, that's standing off from the faith. Deceitful spirits, doctrines, teachings of demons, speakers of lies in hypocrisy, desensitized in their own personal conscience. So you, know, so you ask the question, well, is, is that kind of where we seem to be entering into? Well, to me, yeah. It seems to be that we're entering into such an era in our world. Not only that, but they, they, they become ascetic in their outlook. So it says, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods that God created for reception with thanksgiving by the faithful and those knowing the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be rejected, being received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word and prayer. Listen, if you sit down to a table full of carbs and you pray a prayer that God will bless your macaroni and cheese, go ahead and eat it, right? Uh, it's a little deeper than that. It's people who, what he's talking about, that just made me feel good because I love macaroni and cheese. Um, but people who for, quote, religious reasons try to impose restrictions on people, things that God has already blessed in the Bible. God had already blessed them, and it's okay, but somebody comes along for what they believe or religious reasons and teach that people are not supposed to do these things. Well, uh, that... That, of course, is, uh, is, that teaching is, is, is a, a doctrine of demons. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not to be restrictive on the things that God has already blessed. So uh, this is another sign that is seen in those last times. Now it moves over into chapter 6. And verse 3, if anyone teaches another doctrine and does not draw near the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching according to piety, he is self-inflated, knowing nothing but unhealthy controversies and disputes about words, out of which come envy, strife, slander, evil suspicions, and constant frictions among men corrupted in mind and destitute of truth, holding piety to be a means of gain. Okay. Piety. Your, your translation may say godliness. The word God is not in that, uh, is not in that uh, Greek word. Um, it's the last... It's the last word in the Greek text right before piety. Uh, Eusebian. Eusebian. Well, you don't see Theo or Theos in there anywhere. 
it, it speaks of, uh, well, piety is a, good, is a good translation. So here's a guy. Here's a guy who says, okay, piety, as the world would define it, piety is more important than, than uh, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you got to love them, you know. You got to... You gotta, you gotta accept them in love, uh, because according to them, that's what that's what Jesus would do, or whatever. And this, when people listen, when people move away from the sound teaching, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the real teaching of godliness, and that person goes to another teaching not having anything to do with the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. That person thinks a lot of himself and all he can do is create a controversy and a dispute because he has parted from the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are people in every church, and I have seen them in every church where I've pastored, who, who, place personal, their, who place their personal definition of piety above the teachings of Scripture. Um, they, they want to avoid the the truth that God is not only a loving God, but he's also a God who is filled with wrath towards sin. Um, and this piety gives them an excuse to take people into the fold whom the Bible would otherwise reject because they are not coming by faith. I don't know if I don't know if I've made that clear or not here. If I've if I've said that a way that that we can understand what the scripture says here. A person who who inflates his definition of love even above the teachings of Jesus, the the word of God. That, that, that person creates, as he says here, unhealthy controversies. Uh, it comes out of envy, strife, slander, evil suspicions, constant frictions. Because these guys are corrupted in mind, they are destitute of truth. Okay, now, let's just simplify the whole section. If you will love and adhere to the truth, if you will teach nothing but the sound doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you will define your piety according to the biblical definition, and you stick to the Bible and hold that everything else that is not truth is false, 
And if you reject that and stand only on the truth, then you can avoid all this other stuff. We get to, and I've, you know, pastors are probably as guilty as anybody of wanting to avoid controversy almost at any cost. It's going to cost me members. It's going to make people mad at me. They're going to blame me with it. Um, and I see it all the time, really, uh, quite often. And so they just sort of let it slide, you know, and just kind of ignore people. What happens? Well, these people, these people are still there with their, with their self-definition of piety, which is to them a means of gain. Uh, it, it's personal to them that you see. It's not really spiritual. It's not really, it's not really biblical. It's just a personal thing to them. They're still there. I remember I had this awful controversy at my first full-time church. And one of my mentors in the ministry was a, 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 a dear friend. I had been his minister of music uh, in previous years. He and I used to have lunch often. He would come by when I was still working in the clothing business. He would come by and would would stand around and chat for a long time. I loved the guy. And I called him. I said, "Man, I I've got this thing." I, you know, he said, "Well, he said you have to deal with it." I said, "Well, you don't know." I said, "These people present themselves one way to me and they intimidate and threaten me in my office and and they talk about all the friends they've made and all this kind of stuff and they're just like snakes." He said, you're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> and I was a young guy. I was in my late 20s, and this thing worried me, you know. Uh, and I'm kind of a crusty old guy, and that doesn't bother me as much, but it bothered me back then. And um, it finally came to a head without me. God blessed me. He, he, he well... God took care of it through other people and I didn't have to <laughs> I didn't have to do the dirty work for which I was very thankful. And uh, oh it blew up at a business meeting. It blew all up. And they said awful things that weren't true. They were they were after my minister of youth guy. And if and if I stood in the way, they'd go after me. And they said that, you know, you're nothing. We'll take you down with him. Because we're not going to have him around anymore. It was kind of a silly thing. It was a power struggle over who got to pick the, who got to pick the Sunday school uh, material for the youth. <laughs> oh, listen, I've, I, I've, I've seen it all. And uh, it all blew up in a business meeting. And the bad guys got voted down. And so my preacher friend called me back a week or two later, and he said, well, how's everything? I said, well, bless God in heaven, it got taken care of. And I told him all about what happened. He said, well, are they still in your church? I said, well, yeah. You ain't dealt with it yet. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> you ain't dealt with it yet. If they're still there. And he was right. He was, he was right. Finally, it got dealt with in an awfully nasty way. Um, but here's my point. 
they just had a personal vendetta. They wouldn't accept certain teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ regarding what real piety is. They had their own definition of what piety, what love and all this, you know, so they're going to, they're going to, they're going to grind a guy into the ground out of love for other people. Uh, this thing of love is really, oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> and they were destitute. You could not say anything to them about the Bible. I don't care what that says. I don't know what that says that, but I don't know, man, you couldn't. Uh, it finally got taken care of. Well, this is what Paul is talking about here. This kind of thing will really be a major issue in the latter times. Not adhering to the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the true teaching that is according to true piety. These people are self-inflated. You know who I'm talking about. Actually, I, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it later. Well, they had a very familiar last name. Okay, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank this morning. First baby Southside. <laughs> okay. You need somebody to understand. Well, it was one of two. Well, it's both of them eventually, I guess. But uh, Okay, got you. Okay. It, uh, yeah, right. I got you. Well, now I was sitting I, here pondering which one of those. I just, I just, <laughs> I just. you were referring to. I, well, I just, I just remember. Well, it, had, it had nothing. Okay. I got right. you. I know what you're talking about. Um, I'm with you. And it just became very unhealthy. Yeah, that's true. To the point of nastiness. And it was just awful. I know. Now, he's saying this kind of thing will invade the church on a major scale. We, I guess we've all, if we've been in church any length of time. We've seen that at least once, right? I've seen it more than once. Um, and, and the strong church really just deals with it. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like that kidney stone I had. I rolled around on the floor for 18 hours. I thought it would just go away and it didn't. And I had to have it dealt with, you know, I had to go deal with it. So, Bad people in church are a kidney stone. Um, um, you, have to, you have to deal with it, but you have to deal with it according to the scriptures. And the scriptures give you a way on how to deal with, with things like that. This, this kind of thing will be a major issue as we go toward the close of the age of the church. Again, to narrow it down, destitute of truth. Pay no attention to what the Bible says. I know the Bible says that, but, and then avoiding biblical teaching, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching according to real piety, what genuine piety is, not, not selfish, self-defined piety. So, you know, if you just if you just stick to the Bible, teach the Bible, believe the Bible, stay with the Bible, and then not only shun, but reject people who reject the Bible. They're not good for you. They're not good for your kids. They're not good for your Sunday school. They're not good for your budget. They're not good for anything if they don't believe the Bible. Um, 
if they don't believe the Bible, an angel from heaven can't help them. Nobody can help them if they don't believe the Bible. Uh, not, even if, not even if Lazarus was to return from the grave. Remember what Jesus said to the rich man. I got brothers. They're, in, they're nasty like I was, and I don't want them to come down here to hell. They got the Bible. If they don't believe the Bible, even if Lazarus came back from the grave, it wouldn't make any difference. So the Bible, the truth, is, is it, 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 it's very strong, and it, it feeds us, and it helps us grow, and we have to focus on the truth. And in a day that is increasingly rejecting of biblical truth and the biblical worldview, we have to be all the more stubborn and strong in our stand for, for biblical truth. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. However, realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will be present. The church will face difficult times. Um, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, implacable, slanderous, without self-control, savage, without love of good, treacherous, reckless, inflated with self, fond of pleasure rather than fond of God, having an appearance of piety but contradicting and rejecting its power, turn away from these. Don't have anything to do with them. That's pretty clear, isn't it? So, we're looking at a profile here of, of, of a growing population in this world, right? Lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, implacable, slanderous, without self-control, savage, without love of good, treacherous, reckless, inflated with self, fond of pleasure rather than fond of God having an appearance of piety, but rejecting the power of it. Turn away from them. That, that, to me, that's pretty self-explanatory. That the world will increase with these kinds of people and will, will be a gravitational force that draws people to themselves because they love themselves. You can't, you can't love yourself and come to Christ. You have to despise yourself to come to Christ. You have to recognize what a wretched sinner you are. Un unholy, unworthy, unable to save yourself. Nothing good have I done, uh, and I can only be saved by the blood of Jesus. You can't be a proud self-inflated person, fond of self, inflated with self, and be saved. You, can't, you, have to, you have to start out being nothing. That's how you come to Christ. You're crushed, and everything that you are is dead, and you come to realize that, and you have to be born again into a life that God gives you. So these, these people are the culmination of, of a depraved nature, and they've never been regenerated. That's, and so what Paul says to Timothy is, in the last days, 
the world will be increasingly filled with people like that. And it will present difficult times for the church. Even so, turn away from these people. They are not good and are not good for the church and cannot be a part of the church because they've never been regenerated. They've never been born again. That's why they're out of control like this. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God inside their hearts and their lives. And I think, I think we see this kind, oh man, Washington, D.C. is full of it, right? Uh, the United Nations is full of it. Downtown streets are, I mean, just people like this, just out of control people uh, who are to be rejected if they won't come to Christ and, uh, and be saved. Verse 6, for out of this sort are those entering into households and taking weak women captive, burdened with sins, being led away by various passions or inordinate desires, always learning and never being able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now that's pretty straightforward. Um, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, these, I can't go backwards on this, but these, these people just defined a couple of slides back. These evil teachers. These evil teachers can have a lot of influence on the female population because, believe it or not, women are different from men. <laughs> Generally speaking, men, I don't know how to say this. I'm, I'm surrounded by women. Uh, women have a they are thing about shopping. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, yeah. That's like the man just goes here. That's like the GPS of a woman in Walmart. It's everywhere, and and the man is here, here, and here. He's at the door. Women are more complex. Women are more complex. That's a gracious way of saying it. And they are wide open to emotional emotional appeals. Men are not that way. You know, men say, "Stop." You know. Women, however, in their households can be easily preyed upon by the people described who these evil teachers are a couple of slides back. Um, they have no conscience, um, but they have this self-defined piety. And it appeals. And this is, this is what's being said here. Um, led away because of various passions or inordinate desires. These, you know, it's like Oil Can Harry or something. Well, what was he, the guy in Mighty Mouse? Maybe nobody knows Oil Can Harry. Uh, 
he's, he's the slick snake oil salesman anyway. Um, he says all the things that he knows they need to hear. Uh, and he preys on their passions and the desires of their hearts and emotions. And so based on that, they seek teaching. But look what it says. Always learning and never being able to come to a knowledge of the truth. I'm, I'm going to go way out on a limb here. And, and, I'm, and if I get my face slapped, that's because I stuck my nose out too far. But I am an observer, especially in these last days, of teachers and teaching ministries. Everybody, but especially women, need to be very careful about what they're being taught. It has to stand the litmus test of Scripture. If it doesn't, I don't care what anybody's experience was. Uh, I don't care. I heard a woman teaching one time, and she talked about the power of God in her life. And she, her pet hen was run over. This is a tr I'm not telling you. This is the truth. Her pet hen was run over, and by the power of God in her, she was able to resurrect her pet hen. Now, she was teaching in a women's conference, okay? Now, that's kind of far out. That's about as far as I can think. But when personal experiences appeal to passions and emotions and so forth, you better be careful because it could be ever so slightly leading you away from a biblical truth. And, and this is a danger of a lot of these women's conferences because a woman has some sort of personal experience and by the grace of God, she was able to emerge from that personal experience, maybe stronger in faith, but then she begins to build everything on her personal observations of personal experiences that, that always aren't necessarily uh, cleaned up in a biblical fashion. You should be careful about stuff like that. And so do men. I mean, it's not just women, but everybody needs to put the spirits to the test and see if it stands the litmus test of Scripture. That's why it's important to maintain personal and, and church Bible study, staying to the scripture, staying to the Bible and, uh, and let the Bible teach us and then it strengthens us so that we can have a red flag that goes up when somebody says something that just isn't, that isn't biblical. I was observing one of these pastors within the last few weeks and I was wondering, you know, what's all the hoopla about? So I went over and checked it out. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not God's, I, I'm, I'm not God's sheriff of, you know, of theological truth. But I, I know something about what the Bible says. And, and this guy was bouncing around from one thing to another. And, and he was, he was, he was, he was not referencing scripture. He was just saying, this is the way it is, you know. And 
these people, large crowd, they were just they were just drinking this stuff in. And there were three or four times that he that he actually was contradicting the word of God. Uh, but everybody was all you know frenzied up in this uh, in this moment, uh, and um, they were always learning and never being able to come to a knowledge of the truth. The Bible is a fa fairly simple, in my view, it's a fairly simple, straightforward thing if you'll read it. And if you'll look at it and study it, it's fairly straightforward. God, God's not up there in heaven laughing, saying, you can't figure that out, can you? You know, he's not like that. Um, his word is given to us so that we might be strengthened in it. This is so important as we approach the latter times of the church because we're going to be overwhelmed with all kinds of teaching that is going to sound so good. But if you listen to it and break it down, it's totally meaningless. And, and, and sometimes it's not only unbiblical, it's anti-biblical. Uh, and these things can creep into a household and really carry entire households captive because people think they're in a Christian movement that feels so good and has, has no genuine spiritual depth at all. Uh, huh? Yeah, well, and, and a lot more, and a lot more beyond that. Verse 8. By which way Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these opposed the truth. Men being depraved in mind, disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not advance much further, for their foolish madness will be made plain to all, as also those that, that of those two uh, became. Men who oppose the truth. I'm not going to stand and waste my time debating something when somebody up front denies the Bible or a biblical standard or a biblical passage. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just going to count that person over to reprobate and, and I'm, I'm through fooling with them. That's a foolish debate, arguing myths and fables that Paul talks about and you just waste your time uh, with people like that. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I have wasted my time in my past uh, arguing with people over something. Um, and I should have just concluded them into foolishness and walked away from it. Um, but, you know, especially when you're a younger guy, you feel like you got to win the point. You know, i got to make this point. Um, but you just waste your time. Here's what he says. They oppose the truth, depraved in mind, disqualified regarding the faith. They will not advance much further. Their foolish madness be made plain to all. That's an important point. These people that have been described here, false teachers and so forth, they will only go so far. They'll be a flash in the pan for a while, but they'll only go so far and they won't go any farther. Because that which claims to be truth, when it is revealed not to be truth, cannot stand as truth and therefore must collapse. It can't, it can't stand. There's no foundation there for it to stand. Uh, and 
that's what happened to the two who opposed Moses way back in the day of, of Exodus. And that's what happens eventually to false teachers. That said, still the close of the age of the church is overwhelmed from every corner with counterfeit and false teaching, which is just extraordinarily dangerous. Now, verse, uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. I earnestly declare before God and Jesus Christ, the one about to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season, or be ready when preaching is opportune. Be ready out of season, or when preaching is inopportune. Convict, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and instruction. Paul begins now to give us the solution. Even in the latter days, the solution to false teaching. It's very simple. Understand that Christ is coming. Sooner or later, Christ is coming. And before and between now and then, preach the word. Preach it when people don't like it. Preach it when people like it. In the preaching, convict. Now that word uh, convict here in the, uh, it's Alexon. Uh, right over there, you see it right over there. It means to present evidence that demands a verdict. That's what it means. When someone is convicted in court, right? Evidence is presented and the verdict is demanded. This is preaching. You just preach the word. The word presents the evidence. The Holy Spirit does the convicting. And now there has to be, there has to be a rendering uh, within the heart of a person. Rebuke. We have seen in the, in the scriptures we've studied, we have seen just from the scriptures, studying them, proclaiming them or whatever, we have seen rebuke. We've probably thought of people in our minds, I know I have, whom the Bible rebukes. If you just preach the word, it's going to bring conviction, it's going to bring rebuke. It just, it's natural, it's going to bring rebuke. And it's also going to do the third thing, which is exhort, to get under them and, and, and exhort. It's, it's, a, it, 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 it's an unction, it, it brings forth God, through the preaching of his word, works inside someone, it exhorts them. It, uh, it, it brings them forward uh, to a more full, a fuller understanding and a, and, a, and a stronger belief. Do it with complete patience and instruction. Keep doing it and be patient. And when you do it, be sure that you teach it. You're discipling people. Okay, let's look at verse uh, three. For there'll be a time when they will not endure sound teaching, but according to their own desires, they will gather around to themselves teachers, having an itching ear. And indeed, they will turn away from hearing the truth. Then they'll be turned aside to myths or fables, fiction, fanciful tales. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they will seek according to their own desires what they want to hear from the pulpit. Can you see that? And they'll turn away 
from hearing the truth. I've had people, I have had people tell me, and I'm, I won't call names. Pat will slap me. <laughs> I've had people in every church, including Shiloh, tell me that they just can't get into this deep theological stuff. They just can't. They, they want, what they were saying was they wanted more emotion. They wanted more emotion in what was, in what was going on. Well, okay. What you gonna do? Well, you can fill in the blank. According to their own desires, they'll find what they want to hear, right? People amaze me, and I always have, about how they select a church to go to. Most of the time, they let their kids tell them where they're going to go to church. That's amazing to me. Amazing to me. The only time I ever listened to my kids is whether or not we would go to McDonald's or Burger King or something like that. <laughs> what's my kid going to teach me? You know, what's he going to tell me? So they go where according to the kids' desires, they can hear what they want to hear, do what they want to do. Another reason people have gone is because of music. I like the music there. I'm going to join that church. Don't know anything about the church. I just know I like the music. <laughs> so, so poor old pitiful preacher, he ain't even in the top 10. I'm telling you. <laughs> It's a Sunday school class after that, or it's something that's way, he's way down the list. What happens in the pulpit, it's way on down the list because they can sort of sleep through that, you know, or, or go home before the preaching. I can just go home, or I can go home after the, I've had people in church, you know this, after the choir sang their song right before the preaching, they'd leave. I mean, people from the choir would leave. <laughs> just walk on out. Uh, which is, which is just real encouraging to the preacher, you know. I, I had something to say. I, uh, <laughs> well, not to go too far overboard on that, that's, that's, not, how the, that's not how the church was built in, in the earliest time. But we have created so much stuff in, in the church that people go for the programs, you know. They go for the programs, um, rather than anything else. Well, there's a time, he says, they won't endure sound teaching. They will seek their own desires and gather around to themselves teachers having an itching ear and they'll turn away from hearing the truth. Turned aside to myths or fables, fanciful tales or fiction. A lot of ways you can, you can translate that word there in the Greek, but you get the, you get the idea. Do you know of any preacher today, maybe on TV, who starts with one, with one tale after another, one experience after another, one story after another, and, and, and there's, no, there's no text in there at all? You know anybody like that? Or there's a text in there, and then he's just all over the wall, without really referencing the text at all. 
that's that's a that that's a, an increasingly popular way for a lot of guys to preach, um, and it's it's not my call to go around and grade preachers because I I don't want to be graded myself. That said, individual Christians need to be very careful uh, about because your children are going to grow up in that. Um, children are not, you know, if a child can learn a foreign language, if a child can learn how to write and read and can learn math and learn the things that they learn by the time they're eight, ten years old, he can learn the Bible. Uh, you can you can teach and make them make them sit there and listen. I, my my children never did have an option when it came to Bible study. That, that I didn't give them an option. This was a requirement, and I was big enough and strong enough to enforce the requirement. <laughs> um, and 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 I would have to say that I'm very thankful and humbled that my children know the scriptures, they'll fool me. They'll fool me at how much they know about the scriptures simply because they grew up in, in church, you know. And I said yesterday, I'm so thankful. Our kids, our kids at Shiloh are going through this Answers in Genesis thing. It's marvelous. It's a wonderful curriculum uh, for young people. Um, our youth, they're just, they're just being ex expository preaching, just, you know, uh, for, their, for their youth. Uh, thing and spiritual truth in the life of a saved person joins itself to the essence of that person's existence and that person grows spiritually just like you feed yourself and you grow you feed yourself the word of God and you grow it becomes part of who you are and those things are always with you they're always with you. Uh, that's why it's important for people to be taught the Word of God from the earliest, from the earliest point. And I don't care where you may live in the world. As a Christian, you should seek out that place that bases itself on on the teaching of the Word from in in every program, in every whatever they do, whether they're singing or it's Sunday school or youth or children or senior adults or whatever, it all comes back to the foundation of the teaching of the Word of God and the reading of the Word of God. Anything else is just, is just a, a fable. It's fiction. We have to be careful not to be a part of these last day so-called church people who don't want to endure sound doctrine, teaching, but seek by their own desires, teachers who will say what they want to hear and be turned away from hearing the truth. All right, verse five. However, you be sober, calm, circumspect in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fully accomplish me. Okay, this is what he's saying to Timothy. You're going to face this stuff. You're going to face afflictions. You're going to have to endure afflictions. That's part of it. That's part of the job description. Be sober or be calm. Don't be excitable. Just do the work of an evangelist 
and fully accomplish your ministry. Now, what was it? Evangelism, all this, all this is involved in preaching the word. The whole thing, fully accomplish your ministry. Evangelism, discipleship, it's all a part of what is done in preaching and, and teaching the word. So, this is our, and we, we end right here. This is our call. This is how we endure in, in what may well be the last days of the church. We just, it's, it's very simple. We now, we're armed with what we know are signs that we're entering into troubled waters, but we keep doing the main, let the main thing be the main thing. Uh, and we, we will endure through that to the coming of the Lord. Okay, well, I'm going to, that's, that's it, I think. That's it, yeah. That's the end. Um, I'm glad you endured me for the weekend. I appreciate it. It's been, uh, it's, I've, I've enjoyed it. I don't know about y'all. Um, but uh, we, we've looked at a lot of scriptures and talked about a lot of stuff. And uh, and now we got to go make our beds or whatever it is we got to do. No, we don't have to make our beds. We leave them in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we put our towels in the floor of the bathroom. And, and our the trash out. Take our trash out. <laughs> You're a good teacher. See, everybody remember what you said. <laughs> music. And the music in the churches where I did music. It was always my goal to that the music program was to lead to the preacher, not to right. take away. And I and <coughs> two two separate churches that I served in, Bethlehem and Walnut Grove, was amazing to me. The pastor and I would pray together, but he would neither one of them would ever tell me what their message was. But the but music would always go right into it. I've seen that a lot of times. Yeah. How much, how well I've seen it a lot of times. Okay, well, let me, uh, let's pray and we'll be, we'll be done. Okay, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this time that we've enjoyed together for your precious holy word and how it has been applied to our hearts this weekend. Bless us as we move out into this world and into these days in which we live that we might be a blessing to others and be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.